Welcome to the Spirit Room. I'm Melissa White. And I'm Danielle Serenk, also known as the Squamish Medium. We're mediums. And moms. And we're inspired to create this space for the spiritually curious, the developing intuitive, and the soulful spirit. Welcome again to the Spirit Room. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Spirit Room. Good to be with you guys. Um, kind of different for us. We're um, recording this evening instead of our usual morning um, recording. So how are you doing? I'm okay. Thank you for accommodating my very late evening request. I'm home in isolation with two very young children who keep me 100% busy all day long. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, yes. I mean, it's such a weird time that I think it's just like anything goes and we kind of have to be able to be flexible and kind of figure things out as we go. I'm personally a night owl, so I enjoy the the nighttime. I I have no problems uh, recording now. It feels good, so not to worry. Awesome. I really appreciate all the flexibility and I agree. I mean, I've seen it even with clients having to schedule everyone to online or over the phone. It's like people have been really understanding and super flexible and that just makes life so much easier. Yes. Yes. I think it's just a brand new kind of world. We're in limbo. So definitely important to have that. Um, so yes, we were chatting about um, what to talk about for you guys for this time and we came up with meditation and different types and the importance of it um so what would you say danielle is your what was your first meditative experience well my first meditative experience was a beautiful chanting track and i didn't chant along with it but i heard the chant and i had a very phenomenal experience like my body was vibrating my heart was palpitating. Like it was such a tangible, magical experience. I didn't know what was going on. I didn't have any expectations. I was super new to the spiritual curious path. And yeah, it was like an eight minute long track. And I just kind of sat there and breathed and listened to this chanting voice. And actually every, I can recall like a few times where I've done the chanting type meditation. It's been very powerful for me. It is. I find the same thing. I didn't come to chanting until later on in my uh, development, but I find that when I am overwhelmed or if I need to be centered and I need to kind of feel grounded, that's what I will go to. That is sort of like my go-to and that will bring me right back into um, almost like back to myself. It's like allows me to call my energy back to myself. So um, I totally get it. It can be super, super powerful. Um, I like the, yeah, the mantras. I like the Ganesh mantra um, for, you know, breaking through obstacles and and negativity. Um, And there's, there's a few that have been super helpful in that regard. Um, First meditation I ever did was in a group and I found that to be extremely powerful and a really beautiful healing experience. Um, But I'd never meditated before in my life. So I did, I had no idea what to expect. Yeah. I I know I've done like group meditation since then. I was at Rebecca Campbell last year in Portland with like, I don't know, a couple hundred other people. It was an incredible experience meditating with a couple hundred people at once. Just the energy. Um, I I would totally have loved to have my first experience as a group, but it was cool. It was cool just sitting in in my Mm -hmm. room beside my wall in my bed, this tiny little space, but it was really neat to see um, such a physical response from sitting with the intention of slowing. Yes. Well, and I think it's important to talk about as far as um, development goes, because many times I find myself 
no matter who comes to me, if it's a client, a student or, or what, I always find myself saying like, it's important to be able to meditate. Now, I don't always mean meditate when I say meditate, I should actually probably say sit in contemplation, uh, sit in prayer, maybe um, just sit in silence and just ask to be like connected to spirit, sitting in the power. I mean, there's so many different ways to come to, you know, find that part of yourself, find stillness. Um, but what would you say is like your favorite? What is your favorite way? My favorite way to meditate? Yeah. You know, it's funny. I love driving and I've been working with race cars almost my whole life. Like my first 15 years out of high school is working with race cars. There's something about driving that my brain goes somewhere else. Like I'm obviously focused on the safety of the road, but I get almost all my inspirations, all my ideas when I'm kind of behind the wheel. It's like one of my most meditative places. I just love driving. I know that might sound really weird. (laughs) I get it. I think most people do get into a, a meditative state when they're driving. Yeah. It's almost just kind of like your left brain and right brain. They have their own jobs. Um, So when it comes to like, if I'm trying to solve a problem or I'm trying to come up with something creative, if I go for a drive, I usually come back from that drive, like even from Squamish to Whistler and back with like a ton of ideas. And I actually toyed with the idea of calling myself the minivan medium. Uh (laughs) I bet you I could channel like mad driving. Awesome. I love it. And do you listen to music or is it quiet? Uh, it's usually pretty quiet. I either go quiet or I listen to podcasts. I'm a big podcast fan. I love hearing other people's wisdom and philosophies. So I know you're much the same, though you like crime podcasts. <laughs> I mean, I don't even know where that comes from, really. Uh, I think it's like a psychological kind of interest, maybe. I don't know. But yes, yeah, I do listen to those. Yes. That's one of my favorites, but I also really like when I don't, when I can't drive just two minutes of like whole inhaling for five seconds, holding for five seconds, releasing for five seconds. Like if I just do that, like five to 10 times, my nervous system completely calms down and it transforms a state from one to the next. So I would say it's probably a tie between, between those two. How about you? Um, I would say like my very, very favorite is lying down. And listening to like any beautiful music that is uplifting, that is inspiring, that evokes kind of some emotion. Um, I look back and like growing up, you know, you're a teenager and you spend time in your room. Like, I, I don't know, I think most do. And I used to just lay in my bed, listen to music. And it's just that feeling of almost like feeling spirit with you, even though it's not like you're asking for information or anything, you're just kind of experiencing that feeling. Um, So that's probably my favorite. It's just lay in bed and listen to music that makes me feel something emotionally. Um, But I also love the the chanting. I find that that is very powerful and that will almost be like a cleansing or a clearing for my energy. So I'll do that. So do you actually chant or do you just like listen to the chant? I speak the words. And when I do that, I find it so much more powerful. And in class, I'll get students to do it oftentimes. And at first, nobody wants to. Like, it's only me. I'm the only one who's like speaking the words. And then eventually a few more will will join in. And it is awkward at first, but it is something powerful about the spoken word and the energy that comes from it. I find it really, really interesting. 
Yeah, I'll tell you, if you don't mind me sharing this, like, really powerful experience I had with Rebecca Campbell, because before then, like, I'd heard chanting music, and I never joined in. There's no kirtan up here in Squamish that I've been able to find. Um, And so we had this beautiful experience of chanting Sanskrit words, which I'm sure is what chanting is. And I was so overcome with emotions and I, and she talked about having all of our grandmothers in the room and I received such a deep healing. I was sobbing for like 20 minutes and I was actually feeling in that room, like everyone's here for me. Like everyone's here collectively helping me heal. And I was inconsolable. Like it was just something that came through the voice, something that came through everyone else's voice that was like magical. It was such a healing moment for me. Beautiful. I mean, I think that that's sort of the ancient kind of wisdom that's coming through there and just this ability to, I think what it does too is it gives your mind, it gives your logical mind something to do. And that way you can almost be more free. So I think if it is sort of like a surrender and there is something very like mystical and very magical about those ancient words, you know, and doing intentions. Yeah. So when you chant with your students, you're doing Sanskrit? Yeah, I'll do like, there's a few different, um, different ones. Like I said, the Ganesh mantra is one of the ones that I will always, always do with students. Um, also, um, Om Mani Padme. I say Om Mani Padme Om, but I think it's supposed to be home. I'm not sure. Um, but we do that one often. Um, but, or there's also a Lakshmi, the goddess Lakshmi. There's a Lakshmi chant as well. I just find them on YouTube and I'll listen and I'll go with the one that feels right or the one that I feel like drawn to energetically. I like um, that. Yeah, but it's, it's to me very powerful. Some people don't. Some people, I find there's a rare few that find that it's distracting or they can't quite get into it. Um, But I think sometimes people are used to guided visualization and they think that's the only way. And I think guided visualization is important because it helps you to have discipline with your mind. It helps you to be able to kind of have that, that ability and it opens up for the clairvoyance and helps you to imagine and envision stuff. But I also think sometimes it gets you into too much of a passive state. You become so kind of like almost like dreamy that you're not exactly in the right kind of energy always to then work mediumistically. So mm-hmm. I find sometimes it's important to have like a, a chanting or sitting in the power where you're basically like gearing up towards working instead of getting too passive and too kind of relaxed. Yeah. So then when you say like sitting in the power, I think that this is a good thing to talk about when we talk about meditation too, because what does that look like for you? Like sitting in the power, how often do you do it? What do you do? How long? All that fun stuff. Well, I think it's different for everybody and it's kind of a personal thing. I've had, you know, different teachers talk about it and different experiences with it. Um, I think it's, it's any time you give yourself with the intention to sit and to build up your energy, to build up your, feel like you're stepping into your highest possible self. So you're kind of like getting ready to um, connect and, and kind of stepping into also your confidence, like really becoming um, a master of your own kind of uh, destiny in a way. So it's it's a different thing than just completely being passive and, ex- and having these visual experiences. Um, so I think it's, Sitting, um, it depends. I mean, sometimes it's five minutes, sometimes it's 20 minutes. It really depends on the day, but it's most days. I wouldn't say every day. I mean, that's, that'd be a lie. Um, 
but certainly every day that I'm going to be um, working for sure. Okay. So you just kind of sit there and like work with the aura or just like listen or just pay attention to your energy body? Basically, I take a few deep breaths and I'll basically just invite spirit to come close to me. I'll imagine like a little spark of white light in the middle of my chest and I'll just see that opening and expanding and getting bigger and stronger and kind of like working with my energy to kind of expand it outward and upward um, and then feel spirit come and basically kind of like blend with my energy and fill me up. So it's, it's a feeling of like being kind of like filled with spirit and then just kind of at peace with at, at peace with that energy and then just moving forward. So it doesn't have to be a long process, I don't think, um, but it depends on the day. What about for you? Yeah. Like I, I, I kind of have a date with spirit, I call it. So I just do it once a week and I just like 15 minutes, I just sit with the intention of sitting with my own energy yeah. um, to build up my power. And I just kind of do it so I understand what my energy feels like. So I'm able to perceive energy outside of myself, but I do like expand my aura out and then kind of like bring it back in. So I envision like white light like you, but like my aura. So, and I'm curious because I haven't had too many teachers talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just like something that I've, I've kind of done. And it was only my most recent mentor that actually started talking about it. So that's kind of picking your brain. Cause I was like, what does this look like for you? Because nobody's yeah. ever taught me what to do. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm just kind of sitting in my own energy and I did it actually an hour before I call. I had a spare 15 yeah. minutes and it's Wednesday. So I do it on Wednesday nights. Okay. And, um, yeah, what I feel, and I don't know if you feel this too, but um, or if it's different for you, but like I just feel like cobwebby things all over my face. Like I feel like all over my arms, all over my face. I just kind of feel like like pressure, but it tickles. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I'm like always trying to discern: is this my energy? Is this spirit's energy? Because during my um, building the power, kind of sitting within the power, I'm not necessarily seeking for spirit. Right. I'm just trying to like work on my energy a little bit. So that's kind of, I was just curious. I'm like, what does it look like for you? I'm so excited. Yeah. yeah, no, I get that. Yeah. For me, it's like feeling, yeah, I guess feeling my own to begin with, but then opening and trying to blend with theirs, you know? So it's almost mm. like the beginning of how you would want to feel, um, if you were to go out into the world in your highest and most beautiful, best energy, you know, so just kind of, um, come stepping into that, you know, stepping into that different kind of out of the human energy and into the, the sort of more spiritual energy. Yeah. So do you prepare the same for like your readings and mentorship and demonstrations? Like, is it the same preparation for you? No, not really. Uh, readings. Okay. In the beginning, I used to go through a very rigorous process to begin to get ready for readings. I thought that I had to do like an hour and 15 minute prep where it was like a very specific little ritual and I was like smudging and spraying things and crystals and blessing and praying and all of these things and I think I realized at some point I had to do a reading on the fly. It was like somebody showed up earlier at the wrong time or something and I just had to do it. I didn't have time to go through my whole thing. And I was scared. I was like, "Uh Oh, this is going to mean it's going to suck. And it was great. And I had no prep. (laughs) So what I kind of got from that is that, okay, maybe the whole thing is not necessary, um, but certainly some preparation is. Um, So it's, it's a little bit different for readings. I would say, 
yes, you want to build up the power. And then it's a little chat with spirit. And it's very much like, hey, and that we've talked about before, like, this is what I'm kind of working on today, like, you know, that kind of thing. And then I always say our father, and I always say Hail Mary before every single reading. That's just part of my little ritual. Um, and that's good. Um, for groups and stuff and Dems, usually I'm driving myself there, you know, and I've got time usually half an hour, 45 minutes, an hour, depending on where I'm going. And in that case, I'm in the car and I'm uh, just kind of like having a chat with spirit as I'm driving and kind of multitasking, I guess you could say. Um, I'll get there always at least 15, 20 minutes early. I'll sit in my car. I'll breathe. I'll basically just like get myself together. So kind of get out of the physical world, driving traffic, all the rest of that, um, and just center myself. Um, and I guess that's the only, the only difference really. Um, what about for you? Same process or different? Well, I'm very new to Dem still. I've only right. had two. I was so like, and I'm not afraid to say this, but I was terrified like both times. So I didn't get to prepare as much as possible because I was like, I can't even meditate right now. Like my brain is all over the place. I'm like, I don't know what's about to happen. So I just speak to spirit like you do, my guides, my angels, all the loved ones who know before me who's going to get readings that night. I'm just like, you know, this is how I usually work, but feel free to, you know, just come how you come and I will do my very best for you. And, you know, I, I pray in the sense where I really put my intention out into the, into the ethers, like just making sure and checking with myself, like I'm doing this work all for the right reasons. And, you know, I, I guess I just call it kind of prayer uh, about an hour before my readings, I'll go through um, visualization exercises to like get my clairs going, get, you know, even the smelling, the, feeling the tasting, like everything. So I'll do that. But then I actually, for the half an hour before my reading, just throw on my favorite music, yes. um, which right now lately for the past year has been the greatest showman soundtrack. Yeah. And I will literally listen to that soundtrack and dance and just like sing. And if my readings are at my house and I'm like cleaning during that time, but I do something to kind of like just keep myself out of my head and keep myself like vibes high. So just do something that I really enjoy. But I much like you, my first few years of readings had all the hangups. Like I wouldn't drink a week before, like I was literally preparing like a week before my readings because yeah. I was only doing readings like once a month back then. Right. Yeah. And it was so painful and so exhausting. It was almost more exhausting than doing the actual reading. Yeah. Yeah, it gets to be, it's like you start to recognize that, okay, it doesn't have to be so difficult and we don't have to make it so like painful on ourselves. Um, but I think in the beginning, if you do those things and then you have a great experience, you kind of think, okay, well, maybe that's necessary to have a good reading. Almost like how an athlete might have like a lucky ritual or something like lucky shoes or lucky whatever jersey. <laughs> It's like we think that we need that. Um, but yeah, I think it's important. You have to have that time, but you never want to get too, I think, paranoid about it or too um, rigid with it. I think it's important to be able to be kind of flexible with that too. Don't you remember in the early days, like kind of going back to meditation, but I felt like I had to meditate every single day. And if I didn't meditate every single day, I would somehow be like punished or forgotten by the world of spirit. Yes. I'm like, nope, I they don't think I'm taking this seriously. Like, yeah. Well, and I mean, I, I hesitate because I, I think that honestly, especially in the beginning, 
that is how spirit knows that you are serious and that you are dedicating that time. And I, I think even though I, I can be honest and say, okay, it's not happening every day, but I would say most days, you know, some form of meditation is happening or sitting in the power. And I think it's important because if we're not giving spirit that opportunity to like an opening, if we're not opening ourselves up to them in that way, and especially from a development perspective, if students are expecting, they want all these miracles and they want all this stuff to happen and they want it to happen quick, but they're not meditating and they're not putting in the time and the effort, then it's like, how do they, how are they going to expect to have spirit help them, you know, and help them work in that way? It has to be sort of like a give and take kind of thing. So I think it's good that we had that like guilt in the beginning because it probably, um, help us to have discipline with that kind of, you know, that kind of dedication. Different when you start doing readings for a living because it becomes harder, I think, to find that time for spirit just for you. You know, that's one thing that I struggle with is like, okay, I, I'm always with spirit, but it's like all the time for other people. I need to remember to also give myself time to have spirit and just time for me and spirit for myself. Absolutely. And it's hard sometimes too, because we do work a lot for spirit, right? Like almost every single day. And sometimes we just kind of want to be humans too. And just like sit on the couch with some potato chips and watch some trash TV, which we both love. And so sometimes we just kind of want to be human during the time where we could slash should be doing the spiritual stuff for ourselves as well. think it goes in seasons you know there's times in my life where it's been extremely spiritual and it's like I've been extremely dedicated to it and then there's other times where it's like you know what I just have to be human I just have to give myself this grace and time to just kind of breathe and be so I think it it depends but certainly in development and especially in the beginning I think that's the key because you have to learn how to discipline your mind enough um, to be able to hold a link and I think that's kind of what the, the meditation part is really training people for, is to be able to hold the link and be able to hold that energy. Yeah. So what do you think about like this? I don't even know what form of meditation this would be, but I do know that we all have like this initial concept that you have to like still the mind, quiet the mind, not think at all. And I remember early on being like so hyper-focused on a flame. Like I'm only going to look at this flame because I'm trying to keep my mind from thinking like, what's that all about? And do you find that people have a lot of pressure around that? Or a lot of people say, I can't meditate, right? So many people say they can't, and I think everybody can, and I think it does not have to be rigid like that. I I think, I know exactly what you're saying, and I mean, we both have busy minds. I'm someone who's not going to ever be without a thought. Like, even when I'm, like, deep in, like, a trance meditation, I still have my brain. I still am thinking things. Like, it's never totally still, Uh, and I think to have that as your goal is a bit kind of... um, sometimes unrealistic so I just say no time is ever wasted if you're if you're focused on your your soul you know so if you're meditating and you find yourself drifting it's fine just come back and if you're doing like a guided meditation and you know you're being told to see blue ray of light but you're seeing like a pink sparkly puffy balloon or something like that's fine I would say just go with wherever your mind and your soul are taking you um, as long as it's not focused too much on like your day-to-day you know so just allow yourself to go with it Um, yeah so I think everyone's able to but I think everybody is hard on themselves as far as what they experience or some people don't see things and then they get really like annoyed that they don't see enough 
Yeah, I was thinking about this last week a lot, how, you know, in the olden mediumship days, people would sit for spirit every week for years before physical phenomenon would happen. And then now it's like, there's no way we have the intention span for that. We are such an instant gratification um, generation. So I think people are like kind of missing out by not having some sort of dedication, whether it's, you know, a multidisciplinary um, you know, meditation practice, or if it's like literally you sit every day with the same kind, but you could miss out on a lot if you don't dedicate some of your life and spiritual practice to meditation of whatever way brings you joy, right? I think so. And whatever is meditative for you, you know, some people it's being out in their garden and being in nature and just like breathing. And that is a very meditative kind of practice. Or some people run and or walk in nature. I mean, for me, some of my most beautiful, amazing experiences with spirit have been just walking in nature. You know, to me, that is super, super um, spiritual. Um, So I think it can be lots of different things. And it doesn't always have to be one way. Um, So yeah, you don't have to sit a certain way. I don't think you have to, you know, I think it can be what you want it to be. The point is to connect to something greater than yourself. Yeah, it's a good way. I'm a big salt bath fan. Yes. Magnesium salt baths. Like mm-hmm. I have probably four a week. Yeah. Very cleansing. Yeah. Right. And I, I just get into that space and I just like focus on, I have candles, like, you mm-hmm. know, a little moon thing around, like it's all very nicely lit. It's a big ambiance. I have some beautiful instrumental music. I love instrumental music. So I have yeah. that going and it's yeah. just like such a peaceful state that I just feel like this cleansing kind of happening. And that's a very meditative state for me as well. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. What about things like coloring? Like people even say that they hit a meditative state drawing me- like mandalas or like coloring as well. I could see that. I think anything that engages your mind and allows you to kind of the other part of you to open, I think it is is useful. So doodling, writing, um, you know, but just with this for the sake of doing it, not for any kind of um, outcome. So let's talk about trance for a second, because Mm. trance is another form of meditation. So what does that look and feel like for you? How do you get into a trance state through, through meditation? I mean, it's intention for me, really, that's the only difference. So it's like a deeper state of meditation. And it's almost like as soon as I say, okay, trance, it gives my guides an opportunity to kind of come closer and closer and be able to come through. So um, I did sit for quite some time with uh, a group of students that were kind of interested in trance. And I, it was basically just a chance for me to try and see what would happen um, and for them to kind of sit with me and build the energy. And uh, we did have some um, overshadowing and, and things like that happening where basically, you know, your guides and, and spirit are coming through and basically changing the look, the image of your face to kind of reflect their physical appearance, you know, so we had some of that going on. Um, but it was mostly this, it's a feeling of like, oh, okay, spirit's like within me. So it sounds creepy to mm-hmm. people who haven't done it or who don't know a lot about it. And so I wouldn't say it's something that I I offer to newbies or to people that are just starting off on their journey. Um, But certainly when you get to a certain point, it just feels like a natural progression. And to me, sitting in trance is super healing. So that's for me where I would get most of my healing. It's just sitting in that trance state. So it's a deeper 
denser kind of feeling. I feel more like rooted in my body. Whereas in like a lighter meditation, I might feel like I'm like higher up in my vibration and I'm like floating around like in a kind of angelic kind of way. Mm-hmm. But in trance, it feels like I'm deeper and I'm like firmly rooted in my body. Um, it'll usually affect my breathing. It'll affect my heart. I feel like my heart starts beating faster. Um, I can feel my face changing. Um, feel my emotion kind of changing. My pers- I could feel almost like spirit's personality coming through. So it's, it's a way of connecting with spirit, but in a more, um, I don't even know, like a more tangible way, I guess. Yeah. I've only successfully, I think, reached that state of trance twice. Mm-hmm. Um, the first time was pretty phenomenal. And it was like, cause I was still fully present, but I felt like I was like leaning and I actually felt like things coming out of the side of my head. And then I felt something kind of coming into my energy, into my body yeah. per se. Right. Yeah. And then my hands went really hot and mm-hmm. I knew I had to like heal somebody, but I got really scared at that point because it's like I was outside of myself. but still fully thinking. I was like, whoa, this is weird. This feels weird. Okay. What is that? Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I felt safe through the whole thing without a doubt. And I knew I had to heal, even though everyone else who went through the trance had, um, philosophy come through or loved ones come through. My hands went on fire. Right. And I knew I had to heal this lady's back, but I got kind of scared and I kind of came out of it because I was like, oh, and plus I was pregnant at the time too. So I was Mm -hmm. kind of like, yeah, okay, I got to come back in. And it was like, I just kind of got brought back in. And then I haven't had too many experiences since then to sit in trance. Mm-hmm. I remember we talked about this a couple of years ago. I'm like, we should sit just you and me, like even through mm-hmm. Zoom, like to try to build up that trance yeah. energy. Yeah. Um, and then the second time I had the chance, I was with Tony, but I was like 10 months pregnant. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I remember that. I was there. Yeah, you were there. Retreat, right? <laughs> Yeah. I was like literally seven days from having my son. Okay. And so like I, yeah, I couldn't go to a trance state. I had like this baby doing backflips in my belly, right? Yeah. I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even attempt it at that point. Um, but no, it is beautiful. It is really beautiful. And it is one of those things that I think is like one way to really progress your mental mediumship because it requires so much surrender And I think that's the point. So to get to that point where you're so surrendered to it that you're like blending with that spirit and it just feels like so natural. And it does sort of, you know, bring us back to the pioneers of mediumship. I mean, that's what they did. You know, that's what they did for even entertainment. Like they didn't have things going on on the weekends. They had seances, you know, and they sat in trance and they, you know, they they were channeling philosophy and all kinds of things. So I think if we could somehow get back to that place where you're sitting for that that in that trance state and it's for nothing more than just feeling spirit close to us um how beautiful that is and i think it is a really positive way to um influence your mental mediumship you know to sharpen And what do you think about um, automatic writing? Because I've done some pretty pretty cool automatic writing sessions with my mm-hmm. guides and I think my higher self as well these past mm-hmm. few weeks. And I found that to be a really meditative state for me. It is. It's a, I think it's, it's an opening some sort of pathway. You know, it's opening something up. So I do a lot of um, inspired writing. I don't know that what I do is automatic because it's not – I don't feel that it's like anything – 
that I'm not aware of. Like, I feel I'm aware of it and I'm doing it and it's my writing and it looks like my writing, but the words are certainly feeling like they're inspired by spirit, almost like spirit's giving me those words to write. Yeah, it does. And the automatic writing I do, you can't read it. It's like, I I start writing, like, I love myself. I love myself. I love myself. And then different things come through and some crazy inspirations. And I have to remember it because I can't read it after. It's like, okay. Yeah. 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 Right. And so quickly when I'm done and I'm like, okay, I don't feel like anything else is coming through. I quickly turn the page and write down what I remember coming through. And it's usually a lot. It's, it's so fascinating, but to get to that state is like quite meditative for me. That's cool. The only thing I could compare that to is um, sometimes if I sit in trance, I've put like a recorder on like a audio recorder Mm. and sit. And then I will just allow myself to allow spirit speak through me. And that's the kind of thing I'm totally, I don't feel I'm controlling it. I don't feel like I'm, I feel like I'm aware, but I'm not, it's not inspired. It's almost like it's coming through. So that sounds kind of the same kind of thing. Um, but with the writing, I don't know, it's just more for me. It's not yet. I wouldn't say it's automatic. It's more inspired writing. Um, but it is, it's super meditative to just sit and be able to do that. Yeah. That's beautiful. So are there any other kinds of meditation that we may be missing talking about? Um, Like you talked about nature and forest and we talked about bath and. There's transcendental meditation, which I've heard of, but I have never experienced, but it does sound like something that I'm kind of like curious about. So I will be interested in learning more about it. I, I can't say I know very much. I think that's the one where you have your mantra, like your phrase that you repeat, but it's yours and yours alone. Okay. I think that's what that one is. And is it inside your head or is it like you speak it? Uh, I think it's inside your head because I read this book for people who are kind of new to meditation. It's a really funny book by this anchorman called um, 10% Happier. And it's how he overcame addiction and an on-air like addiction enforced like breakdown on mm-hmm. air and he almost got fired he was an abc anchor man he is so mm-hmm. funny and he wrote this book about how he discovered meditation mm-hmm. and he talks about dtm all the time and oh, now okay. his life he just says well i'm 10 percent happier now right it's a fascinating book it's so funny um but he talks a lot about dtm and that's the style that he really likes to do cool no I'll check it out because i think that would be really fascinating um but yeah i mean i think i think the main message that i would want to give is just that it's whatever feels good to you you know some people love music some people don't some people want silence i like listening to music with words sometimes i feel like that's like super powerful for me because i love words and i'm obsessed with words other people find it annoying so you know it just depends on what's what's good for you um and what you need in that moment so i would just say enjoy it think of it as, as something you're doing for your soul it's like a workout a fitness routine instead of like a physical gym thing you're doing it for your soul um and it's never wasted i think it's a gift that you can give to yourself but not to think of it as punishment Hmm. i think that we need a spirit room spotify playlist yeah i was thinking that actually the same thing like that would be a cool thing to put out there for sure definitely because we could put our favorite because i love instrumental music so you could put on the musical words every time i hear danny and lizzie i think of you after that retreat we went to that song yeah yeah, I love it. And then like I have like so many instrumental music that I listen to that I think people would really enjoy. Sure. Um, so yeah, maybe we should put together a playlist and people can Let's meditate to it. 
Definitely. I think it's important to share like so many cool songs and, and things that I've, I've come across over the years um, have come from other students or colleagues and people that just like have played a piece of music and it's been inspirational and then I'll pass it on to the next. So it'd be cool for us to collaborate and put that oh, together. Would love that. Even our favorite meditation tracks on there. Yeah. So we'll get that going. By the time you hear this episode, we will have a playlist rolling out. Yes. We will call it the spirit room. The spirit room. Yes. Awesome. (laughs) I love that. Cool. Well, now I'm excited to get that going. Um, But yeah, I would just, I would just, yeah, leave it at at that, that we're, you know, just saying that it is worth it to put in the time and the effort, but don't make yourself crazy or feel guilty if, you know, you fall off the, fall off of it, fall off the wagon sometimes with your, your meditation practice, but just come back to it, you know, and uh, I think the important thing is to enjoy it. Yeah, absolutely. Enjoy it. Be easy on yourself. Like let go of the shoulds. You know, if you, if you find yourself not drawn to a certain type of meditation after a while, look at more, there's so much available to you. Um, you know, maybe instead of trying to meditate on your own all the time, go to a class, go sit with a group, like try to change things up so that you keep passionate about it because this is how spirit accesses our energy. Right. Yeah. You don't want it to become old and boring and like, something that you feel is a chore for sure to keep it more spicy than that yeah <laughs> cool well thank you so much I, I enjoyed recording at night i thought it was good yeah i think we're good anytime any time of day night we're good so um thank you and we'll talk to you guys soon all right